Let us pray. Most loving and gracious God, we give you thanks and praise for this day. We pray that your Holy Spirit will open our hearts to hear your voice. Lord, may your word be spoken and your word received. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. This section of Luke's Gospel may perhaps be the most well-known parable by people. And in fact, this parable really summarizes the whole message of the Gospel. For we see what God is like, we see how we view ourselves in light of God, and in this one parable, we perhaps learn everything that we need to know about healing and reconciliation, God's love and his mercy, his grace and his forgiveness. And when the hearers of this parable heard it proclaimed, there would have been several times throughout hearing this story that this would have been uh, extremely scandalous for them to hear. And first we hear of these two sons and the younger wants his share of the estate right now. That would have been unheard of. That would have caused people to gasp. And in fact, that's a statement like, well, hurry up and be dead so that I can have my stuff. And you know, when we think of it, it's, it's not like the father can just go down uh, to the local bank, cash in his IRA, and write a check for half to the younger son. In order to accomplish what the son is asking for, he has to publicly bring to market the animals, which were of value, try to get the property sold, which is a public thing. And in doing so, the father is doing something that no father would do. This would be unheard of, that the father would entertain this obnoxious son and go along with this. And so that in itself would have caused people to gasp as they hear this. First the son asks this, then the father does it, publicly disgracing himself in the community, showing people that he's allowing this to happen. He can't do it in secret. The whole town knows that the father gave in to this horrible son and his request. But we're even starting to see something about how God operates where often it may not be best for us, but God allows us to make choices. And God says, all right, if this is what you think you want, let's see how it goes. Essentially, that's what the father is saying. And we know this younger son goes off, of course, he spends all of the money. It probably doesn't take long. And now he's in a horrible place. And we hear he, it's in such a horrible place that he's taking care of the pigs, the animals that are unclean. Again, this would have caused the hearers to gasp. You shouldn't go anywhere near the unclean animals. And things are so bad that he wants to have the food of the unclean animals. So he's now in a pretty low place, having wandered and had his own way. And now, 
in that place, he finally comes to his senses. That we call the start of repentance. As the Holy Spirit opens our eyes as it did for the younger son, and he says, boy, this really didn't go according to the plan that I had. I'm sure plenty of us have had a moment like that. This isn't, didn't turn out like I thought it was going to. Boy, did I screw this one up. And so in that start of repentance, he comes up with a plan. And his plan says a lot about what he thinks about the Father and about what we might think about God. Because he says, well, I, I, I will return. And I will say, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. Very true. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Also very true. And then he makes a statement that we probably think about God as well. Make me like one of your hired workers. He thinks that he should be like the hired hand to work his way back up into the love of the Father. Now how many of us have ever looked at God in the same way? That if we just work our way up from sort of like this nothing when we start to repent, realizing our ways, and we will show God and prove to him that we should be elevated further up the ladder. This is his view of the Father. And this is many people's view of God. Well, let me be a hireling and work my way in. And if I work enough and slave away, maybe I might get restored to a, a little bit higher place. And so he gets up and go, I'm sure rehearsing this, this well thought of speech that he has, all the way home, only to find that the Father sees him from a distance. Now many of the commentators would um, help us to understand this is we have to remember that it's not like People don't live in cities like we do, where he's like just sitting in a rocking chair on the front porch and can see him come down the next block. Cities are walled in. So if he's going to see him from a distance, he has to be on like the roof of the house, looking out, assuming he's going to be coming forward. You have this image of a father going to the high place, expecting the son's return and waiting for that day. And when he sees him, he goes and he runs to his son. And I think this is important that we see what's the first reaction of the father. It is not anger and disappointment. It's not judgment and revenge. He runs to meet him. But what's our image of the first reaction of God when we turn back? We think, well, we've got to work and hopefully the angry God will relent. But this is the image of the father who runs to meet him. Another thing that would have made people gasp because that didn't happen. Men did not run. That was not the decorum of the day. And so this guy didn't care. Away he goes and in fact he may have even been protecting his son because the law probably said his horrible request could have got him stoned. And he goes and he runs to meet him. And of course, the son begins his speech, as we do before when we come before God. We start our speech, and before he can even finish, the father's not having any hearing of the groveling. He just says, enough of that. Put a robe on him. Put a ring on his finger. 
put a sandal on him. And in fact, the first thing he did when he got to him was embrace him, right? Which would have made himself unclean because the kid was unclean. But all of these symbols of putting a robe on him, put a ring on his finger, give him the authority of a son, clothe him. The Father is giving all of these images of healing and forgiveness and restoration that he's not uh, starting out on the bottom rung with a mad father. He's being returned to his rightful place as a child of the Father. And that's how God sees us when we come as well. And then he says, bring the fatted calf and slaughter it. And they have this big party. And the fatted calf is, is significant as this banquet represents not only the joy of the Father that the Son is back, but really a reconciling with the community as they come together to celebrate. And then we see this part of the gospel which is also important for us to hear because the older brother has a view of the father. And now he's a little bit ticked off. Well, how come he gets a party? You know, and whenever we see God's mercy and grace at work, there's a danger. And I think we have to ask our own hearts, well, who would we see receiving this party where we would be a little ticked off and thinks God's generous mercy and grace is unfairly given. And we probably have somebody in our lives or somebody in history or somebody has done something so horrific that we're pretty sure that this type of restoration should not happen. But that's who God is. And then the son goes on to complain that he never had any of these things. And in doing so, what we hear is both of the sons really had a wrong image of the father. The younger son thought he had to work into his father's love. He rebelled against that and left. The younger son thought he had to work into his father's love. And in order to do that, he embraced that by doing all sorts of things. Thinking that was the way that he earned his father's love. And he articulates that in his complaint. Well, I've done this, and I've done that, and I've done... You know, and, and we might feel the same way. This person got God's forgiveness at the last possible second, and they were a big jerk. And I, I went to church every Sunday, and I donated all my money, and I went to all the committee meetings, and I did all this. And then this jerk neighbor of mine, he gets to get in after he treated me like that. That doesn't seem fair. But what does it say about the Father when we think of God like that? And this parable blows all of that out of the water. and says that's not who the Father is. You don't have to earn your way in. You don't have to work your way in. You don't stay in God's love because you've done all of the right things and He's really pleased with all of the right things that you've done. That's not who God is. God is the one who loves us, who rejoices when we return after recognizing the error of our ways. When we return, we're embraced, we're clothed with a new robe, we're restored to our rightful place as a child of God. He doesn't meet us with judgment and condemnation. 
And when we remain with him day in and day out, uh, we don't do so to please the taskmaster. Just because God loves us because of who we are. And we don't have to work our way to keep it. And so we shouldn't fall into the trap of the, the mindset of either brother which doesn't really understand who the father is. Both of them have missed it. And this parable says to us really clearly, and I think at an important time in Lent where we've spent a lot of time looking at ourselves and talking about repentance and returning to God, we rightfully should ask, well, what type of God are we going to find when we return? Well, here you go. This is what returning looks like. And if that's the case, there's, there should be no fear in that. And we should be with joy proclaiming that message. Now, the gospel leaves us, of course, in a place where we have no idea what the older brother does. We don't get to hear the rest of the story. We don't know if he goes in or not. Um, but the point is really that we come to understand who the Father is. And today we give thanks to God and every day for his love, for his mercy, for his forgiveness and grace. And we thank God that at the moment we start to turn towards him, he runs to meet us. He clothes us with his best, and he restores us to our rightful place as his children. Let us pray. Most loving and gracious Father, we give you thanks and praise for this day. We thank you for the gift of your Son, Jesus Christ, through whom we are reconciled to you. And we pray that the Holy Spirit would continue to lead us with repentant hearts to return to you. We thank you for your love, your mercy, and your grace. May the Spirit teach us more and more who you truly are. And with boldness, may we share that reality with others. That the whole world might come to know your love, your mercy, your forgiveness, your grace, and your peace. And we ask all this through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen.